in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the tents. Glenn Stansberry. I'm in bunches. You're on the edge of your seat. I'm wound tight. Uh, we were just watching a uh, KU basketball game. Glenn's favorite KU Jayhawks are... They may or may not pull his victory out at home. Came from behind. What, down 14 or something with two 14 with left? two minutes left. <laughs> quite, a, quite a comeback. But uh, we, we decided... Well, Brian, okay, for starters, Brian thinks that um, the opposing team, the West Virginia Mountaineers, were playing five on eight. Yeah, um, I think there was a mismatch <laughs> in the number of players on the court. Brian tends to think that whenever you play in Allen Fieldhouse, the players with the striped jerseys are actually, yeah, are not on your KU team. They're on the other players, team. The, right? Yeah. Um, Regardless. Just a theory I have. <sighs> Still pretty, pretty incredible. I'm sure that Even I could. Even if they bought the refs off. I'm sure I could. Point to some glaring statistics to uh, prove that notion. Uh, but speaking of glaring statistics, Glenn, we are co-founders of a site called Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com is a basically for data scientists. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a data scientist, uh, don't go to Gentleman.com. There's no need uh, because basically uh, it's just a treasure trove of big data. Gentleman <laughs> is. Yeah, we're we're building a big data, uh, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. machine learning, big data. Yep. Is what gentleman is, mm-hmm. uh, and so anyway. But if you're if that's your bag, if that's what you're interested in, I'd say stop over to gentleman.com. That's right. Uh, and then once you're done with that, you can stop over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can follow along with the links on this uh, stories that we're going to talk about today and uh, the other random stuff we're going to speak about. Uh, you can also check out some previous beers that we've ranked. You can do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so check out gentleman.com, podcast.gentleman.com, and then once you've done that. Uh, and you've done your homework. Yes. Uh, it's time for the test. The The test is just around the corner, and the test is whether or not you get in touch with us. That's right. Or not. Uh, so and it's, far. It's not a multiple choice. F. It's not a fill in the blank. It is a creative writing uh, test. <laughs> and uh, the test is how you, you know, how you package your response and what your question is and, uh, you know, the wording, exposition, uh, all those things. The good news is is that it's open book. That's right. And there's no wrong wrong answers. Well, so it's like a philosophy be, test. There could be wrong answers. Yes. Um, uh, I would. There's there's some answers. There's some questions that we could get. This is like Jeopardy. <laughs> so the answer is the question. You know, please phrase your emails in the form of a question. Uh, and you can do that at howdyatgentleman.com. If you do that, you can send us a. You, actually, I should back up. We prefer that mm. you send us a letter, and we, you can do so by sending that, addressing that, to the Gentleman Mailbag at P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. Uh, and there we will take your correspondence. Mm-hmm. We will put it in the bag, the old canvas mailbag that we have at the Lawrence, Kansas post office. 
we fill that stack up with our letters and we bring them back home. Your rucksack. And then we'll uh, we'll take a look at it. We'll read through it. We'll think about it. We'll put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know is the Hall of Fame. We will talk about it on the podcast. We will probably, very likely, send you something back in return just mm-hmm. just for just for thinking of us. Unless you send us like a bag of poo, right? Probably won't send you anything. Well, actually, don't put don't you put would ideas. Open the door. Yeah, don't put ideas in people's heads, Glenn. That's true. Uh, it's the internet. <clears throat> what can happen on the dark web? I have had poo sent to my door. I have not yet, yep. but I don't want to. So <laughs> anyway, dark web. Uh, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that, okay, Glenn. But, but so moving on, let's <clears throat> talk about something else. Yeah, uh, you could send us a virtual. Uh, sack of poo via our email address at P.O. Box from P.O. <laughs> our email address which is howdy at gentleman.com you can also get in touch with us on Facebook Twitter Pinterest uh, Instagram uh, hot or not uh, farmers only farmers only is a big Chidio, one Chidio uh, Plurk uh, and Snapchat yeah Ooh. which we're going to talk about later we are uh so uh anyway lots of lots of ways to get in touch with us and please do so we encourage you to get in touch with us talk with us uh let's make this a two-way dialogue yeah we don't want this to be a monologue we want it to be a dialogue uh think about that glenn (laughs) and uh so anyway now we got that out of the way glenn we can actually get on to the meat of the episode which is the drink of the week this week the best part of the episode uh and this is uh glenn this is my turn to pick out something this week and i went to the store and i used a very specific process to narrow down, you know, we've been using the scientific MTS uh, computer to rate beers. I felt like I should use a very scientific process to find our next beer. So I created an uh, algorithm, a very simple algorithm, to uh, go to the liquor store and find a beer to review mm-hmm. this uh, this time. And this was, uh, what is the one that the company that's on sale this month or this week at the uh, the local liquor local liquor store? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week it was Bells. Bells it is. Bells the dollar off, six packs. <laughs> so uh, I picked out a Bells based on that algorithm. Your, your logger rhythm? Logger rhythm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I picked out, uh, there's a bunch to, pick, uh, to choose from. Of course, there's a lot of IPAs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just picked out a kind of middle of the road and amber ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the Bell stuff that I kind of looked up while I was doing research in the store, I was high on the IBU count, and you know how we feel about IBUs. Mm-hmm. Uh we think they're for commies. That's right. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is this is so supposedly I think maybe lower on the IBU scale. I think it's an amber ale. I don't know. It should be uh, amber th- ale. This is foreshadowing of an actual bigger issue, which is that I cannot track down an IBU count for this beer. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I have searched the dark web high and low. I feel like we've got a pretty pretty good we have, lead on. Yeah, so what we've been doing in the past is we use our own small EA instincts to uh, determine the IBU count, and we're going to have to rely on that again tonight, Glenn. Uh, sometimes the dark web doesn't have everything we'll that you're looking for. Here. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when you when you get down the nitty-gritty, sometimes you get into <laughs> queries that the dark web can't even answer. Uh, That's an IBU? Anyway, Glenn, I... <laughs> I... Uh, so... <laughs> 
these, this amber ale, uh, we, we do know, I will say this. Let me let me just give you some stats on this before we pop this sucker open. It is 5.8% alcohol, so slightly more than normal. I paid $8.99 for it, but usually it's $9.99. So it's a little bit pricier. Uh, what, what do you do for that? Do we give the normal price or do we use the sale price? I think we go with the normal price because that's more indicative, indicative of what it probably is somewhere. Um, and so, and and this is this is you know I will say about this brewery we've talked about bells once before I believe we reviewed the Lager of the Lakes which is another one of theirs okay, okay. Um, we've done before I, I know think. we've done at least one yeah and this is uh, Kalamazoo Michigan Brewery which I didn't know much about but now I know Western Michigan University is there because of BJ Fleck which we toasted not too long ago that's right uh, is Western Michigan uh, Broncos are located there in Kalamazoo Michigan which is where this brewery is located it also started out and they still firmly support. Home brewing. Uh, I noticed on their blog they have a lot of articles about how-to stuff. They have wow. get-togethers where they bring homebrewers uh, into their brewery and show them how to do stuff and help new homebrewers get into the get into the things. So uh, a lot of a lot of cool stuff there. But their history is within like they they I think initially started as a homebrewing store and that kind of morphed oh. into a brewery. So they went. Oh wow! So kind of that's kind of a cool thing about this this brewery. Um, and anyway, Glenn, so let's uh, let's pop these open and see uh, what the Amber Ale has to offer us this I'm, evening. I'm excited. I uh, haven't had an Amber in a while. Me neither. <laughs> That's not... <clears throat> well, anyway. Uh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. That's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, it's real good. It's not, it's not high in the IBUs. I'd say it's probably a... 16 or something in the IBUs? Yeah, maybe 16, 20, something like that. Hmm. That's got a little bit of something. It's, it's yeah. It's kind of tart. Yeah, it's got a little something in there. That's, that's probably a 20 on the IBU scale, I bet. Yeah. It's still good. It's definitely, like a lot of amber ales are really sweet. I shouldn't say really sweet. They're sweeter. Yeah. This isn't sweet. I would call it crisp. That's how I would call yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Crisp finish. Crisp with the subtle, you know. It's like a tortilla chip. That's right. <laughs> Not the churro. Not the churro. Okay, Glenn. Well, mm. now having tasted this uh, Bell's Brewery mm. Amber Ale, what what would you if you had to put an arbitrary rating on top of this thing? What would you do? So it was almost. It was nine ninety nine. Yeah. So a little bit higher price. A little bit higher. Alcohol is a little bit more in content, but mm-hmm. you know, it is five point eight. Five point eight. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit higher. higher. All right. Um, I would say if I had to just. Pull a number out of a hat. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give this a 7.9. You're at 7.9? Mm-hmm. I was actually at 7.8. 7. Yeah. 7.8. I don't feel like it warrants a 8 rating. It's not really jumping out of me as a super awesome beer. Nope. It's very, it's it's okay. Yeah. Know, but, it's, uh, it's, yeah. It's an easy drinker. Um, is it a everyday carry? Probably not. No. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, you said 7.9. I said 7.8. Now let's type some figures into the MTS computer. Uh, and we will find out what the empirical rating for the Bell's Brewery um, Amber Ale is. Okay. At Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, okay, so the alcohol by volume is 5.8%. We're comfortable with the IBUs are probably around 20. And we're saying the price was $9.99. Uh, the original gravity, 106. That, okay, that's so, good. So uh, let's just keep know. that in mind. 1.06. 
1.06. So that's something to feed Yeah, 1.6. 1.6 original gravity. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that's enough data for the MTS computer to do its thing. Thankfully, it's it's based on a recursion algorithm that only requires a few uh, a few data points, and then we're we're good. Um, so uh, I so let's grab the. Uh, so let's. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna grab the, uh, the reports coming off the MTS okay. DS computer right now. It's printing okay. off. Um, let me just grab this thing here. Oh, wow. Okay. The binding seems to get better every time. You know the the binding. Uh, it's a work in progress. Yeah. I believe in continuous improvement. That's and well. this definitely is one of those things. Okay, so uh, we. Sturdy. Let me just get through here. The it's a lot of diagrams to. <laughs> pictures and okay uh okay well so the uh, the mts computer actually comes out at 7.85 mm-hmm. on the mts scale okay wow so pretty close very there to, to us 7.85 it's very specific but it is a computer so it doesn't it, really know it's it black and white that, yeah. you know uh real quick i went over to our friends over at beer snob which i normally do and they have an 8.7 on this Eight point uh, seven. Which you know, Did they get the numbers reversed. That's that's got to be what happened. Uh, I, I think so. You know, they're not using a computer. It's a it's human like, error yep. kind of thing, probably. So uh, that Boy. happens when you're just Boy, howdy. Yeah, using uh, using humans to do a computer's work. That's right. Um, anyway, Glenn. All right, so we got that out of the way. Let's uh, move on to some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right, Brian. Well, <clears throat> batting leadoff, we have a post by our good buddy Do Tattoo, who has been, if I may say. Just killing the site. He's just doing it. He is doing it. He's doing the tattoo. Doing it well. <laughs> um, uh, as the kids say. And he has a uh, post titled, Texas Family Finds a Rattlesnake in a Toilet and 24 on their property. Right. When I, I immediately, as soon as I saw the title of this, I This me- wasn't it. This is, I think this, this stirred a lot of emotions <laughs> in the gentleman community. It did. Um, I, th- when I read the title, I immediately thought, Somebody's going to make a joke about finding a brown snake in the toilet, you know. The, yeah. <clears throat> go in there with the pot of humor. Right. Which I did, and I giggled for a while. And then I saw the picture, and it is terrifying because that is not like a small rattlesnake. That is a large uh, rattlesnake peeking out of the toilet there. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know if they're using a zoom lens on this thing or not. <laughs> the toilet looks to it, scale. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't look like they're that far away taking this picture from this rattlesnake. That's true. Uh, I think I would, yeah, I, I would need a selfie stick or something to take this picture. Um, the old snakey stick. But uh, anyway, Glenn, they, so yeah, the, the McFadden family who found the snake and the multiple uh, rattlesnakes on their on their property. See, this is why I don't live in Texas. Yeah. Uh, up in Kansas, rattlesnakes are extremely rare. They've been found, but they're very, very rare. Uh, down in Abilene, Texas, I get the feeling that this is not something that uh, is too rare down there because they have a whole the company. They had to call up a company to to have a have a look at their snake problem, and they called up Big Country Snake Removal, <laughs> and uh, they got to work and they found twenty four of them on their property. Got rid of them, uh, you know. So that's that's good. Uh, they they have some advice at the very end of the article. They say the. Uh, I think it was like a little kid that found this or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So they say... That's the terrifying part. So they say Isaac and his brother said they have some advice for other kids who happen to find the snake in the toilet. And they say, if you find a snake, go get an adult. Yep. 
My question is, Glenn, if I find a snake <laughs> in the toilet, who do I go get? Technically, we're adults. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know who to... Who do I go get? I, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe I try to close the lid and then... See, I actually have some experience with this. And I actually have some experience about finding a snake in my bathroom. That's true. Not quite as, you know, sinister. It wasn't a rattle, rattlesnake. Right. But it terrified me like a rattlesnake because... <laughs> I, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm. Yeah. Uh, I did grow up in Kansas, but, you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a small town, you know? Uh, so, anyway, the point is, I came back to my house at one point, and I heard something, rat- not rattling, <laughs> that's a tour, but yeah, <laughs> I heard something in the basement, and I thought, you know, it must have been a mouse or something like that, and so my, we, I was remodeling the bathroom at the time, and I saw some kind of little stuff on the on the on the um bathtub floor like some insulation stuff and i was like okay so there's there's got to be some kind of a mouse or something that's gotten in here and knocks some stuff around so i jump up on the on the tub and i'm looking around my flashlight looking around to see if i can see anything and i'm you know like oh i don't see anything and then i whip my head around and there is a snake face to face like six (laughs) inches from my face coiled up in the top of the basically right up in the ceiling um, that I didn't notice, and at the time I knew nothing about snakes, mm-hmm. so I freaked out, uh, and I had to call. I had to call up one of my buddies who had more experience from New Mexico. Yeah, had more experience with snakes, and I was like, "Who do I?" I didn't ask him to come over and get this snake, but I was like, "Who do I call about this?" Because I am like, I can't do this, not, man. Not happening. And uh, he's like, "Oh, I'll just come over and grab it." <laughs> so he waltzes in here, takes a look at it, grabs it from the inside of the bathroom, and walks it outside and lets it go in the creek behind my house. So when he when you say grabbed it, just grabbed it by the head and walked it outside. Oh, who who wouldn't do that? Yeah. Uh, and, and since then, I've actually looked up how to identify poisonous snakes. I was concerned that I didn't know how to identify a poisonous snake. I didn't know if it was poisonous or not. I didn't know any of that stuff. And it was large, right? And it was quite a good size. I mean, I'm not saying it was huge, but I would say it was a good four or five foot. It wasn't a garter snake. No. Well, it was, it was basically what it, it turned out to be is a black snake. Right. Which is a pretty common. And, and if this happened again... Um, I, I would probably be able to handle it a lot better. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't get. I was instantly terrified when I saw it. Yes. And the thing that I've learned since then is that snakes are just like normal, you know, pests that you'd find. Not pests, but because they they actually hunt mice and stuff like that, yeah. which is very nice. They hunt but you don't. Pests. You shouldn't. I mean, you shouldn't be afraid of them if they're not poisonous. If they're very poisonous, you should be afraid of them. And and you know, for runaway screaming. Basically, yeah. Don't 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 try to address them if if it's a poisonous snake but uh this this snake was just a it's a harmless black snake it found its way inside my house somehow i'm not i'm still not exactly sure how um but you know a better thing to do probably would have been to um get some kind of a apparatus and mm-hmm. pick it up with that and then cuz it was funny cuz i told the pest guy we have a pest guy that comes over and you know deals with problems we have from time to time and i told him about it and he was like Wait, so he just came in with his bare hands and grabbed it and walked out? And I was like, yeah. And he's, no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, and I he's wouldn't a, do it he's either. He's a pest guy. He was just basically saying, like, if you scare them, they're going to bite you. Because yeah. they're a wild animal, you know? It's not going to kill you, but you might have to go to the hospital because you got bit, bit by a snake. So, uh, so anyway, it, it, you know, it's a little wild animal, so you don't want to scare it, you know, yeah. or anything like that. You don't want to take any chances. But anyway, point is, it wasn't a rattlesnake. It was a black snake. And since then, I'm much more comfortable I see the, the I think the same snake probably outside from time to time in my house, and I'm like, hey, what's up? I High five. I haven't named it, so his name is Styles, by the way. Styles, Styles the snake. Um. So anyway. Oh uh, wow. That's my snake story. See, the thing about 
the thing about I don't know the thing I always thought that rattlesnakes like the 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 usual with rattlesnakes is that they they like arid rocky places. Yes. This guy's swimming in a toilet. You know, at what point did he just? I mean, you know, you think you know something about poisonous animals, and then they just put show the script. up. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Who, who's the joke on now? And so, yeah, I, I didn't know. I think, oh, it's in the water. You know, water moccasin, cottonmouth. Yeah. Nope. Rattlesnake. No rattlesnake. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah. I, I mean. It's it's funny because in the article I think they try to make a point of saying like this is pretty rare this probably doesn't happen that often and stuff like that, but uh, it, it, depending on your your septic kind of system or yeah. sewer system you have going on I could see this happening hmm. you know yeah, I, I could see it yeah you know, old or antiquated yeah it's just you know it could happen I could see how I could I could see how it could happen um, so uh, you know I'm never afraid of anything like that but. Uh, but yeah, see my thing. Like, if in the middle of the night I'm in bed and I hear somebody, I, I I would rather have. In terms of this isn't rational, but I would rather like confront somebody breaking into my house <laughs> and then confront than a rattlesnake. Giant rattlesnake in my toilet. Well, yeah, definitely a giant, very venomous snake in the toilet's probably, and he's probably angry too because he just <laughs> he just crawled through you know yeah. burritos and right. <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea <laughs> what I have seen. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah. Well, I don't know what the moral of the story is. This thing spread uh, yeah. like wildfire on the internet because I think people, it really, I think people really. It really plays up a lot of fears. Yeah, it really does. But uh, everybody was fine. Everybody was fine. It all worked yeah. out fine. They got all the rattlesnakes taken care of off their property. and the Kids all the, learned something too. Exactly. Yeah. So all is well that ends well in Abilene, Texas and the rattlesnakes. Oh, man. So, uh, all right, Glenn. Well, next up, we got uh, what do we have up next? We have a stony. <laughs> we have a story by our buddy Tony O. Tony O. And Tony posted Tony O. Something that happened right in our backyard, Brian. Yeah, this did happen right Kansas in our backyard. Kansas man mm-hmm. wins Super Bowl tickets for life for life after finding Willy Wonka's golden Bud Light ticket. Okay, I made yeah. that up. It's not Willy Wonka, but that's the first thing I thought of. Right. So apparently Bud Light, I don't know how I missed this promotion, but apparently they had a promotion where they just um, put a golden Bud Light can in, you know, uh, was it just one? No, 37,000. 30, wow, 37,000 really? gold Bud Light cans. Wow. Oh, and then, oh, that's right. And it was a raffle or something. Yeah. Like, it, you put your name in to win. So right. you, you had a 1 in 37,000 chance after mm-hmm. actually getting a 1 in 37,000 chance to like actually get one. Anyway. Yeah. Ridiculous odds. One in right. a million chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, a man from Wichita, Kansas, um, about, what, three hours away from here? Yeah. Um, he, you know, he was uh, he had some friends over, and he ran, a liquor, he, he ran out of hooch. So he ran into their liquor store, snags a 30-pack. 30-pack of Bud Light. Chuck, Chuck, he said this family party, was it was running low, man. <laughs> so he, he, and he starts pulling them out. You know, he's put them in the fridge, and he notices that one of them's golden. Yeah. So he said, oh, that's kind of cool. And his wife um, uploaded the photo to Bud Light. Uh, apparently, you upload the photo to BudLight.com. And what do you know? He wins. Yeah. It's. Can you imagine going? I mean, so he, I know you're not a pro football guy. And I, I am. I'm a pro football guy. Right. But 
I would love to just go to a Super Bowl just to experience it. I was reading, I was actually reading about this right around this last Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, and they were saying that the Super Bowl has gone from a event that's about football yeah. to a, a total full-on party event that it's basically like when you have a Super Bowl in your city, yeah. only you know a hundred thousand people go to the game. But 200,000 people show up or something. It's like Mardi Gras. 300,000 people show up. And yeah. the rest of the people show up just to party. Yeah. So it's like all the hotels in that town are throwing parties and, you know. So Celebrities are everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, so it's like a big roving party, basically. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, then you have an excuse uh, to go to that for a round. But what's interesting about this is they're not saying they're paying for travel expenses. They're just saying right. you get tickets to the game. Right. So. You can always turn around and sell them on eBay. Yeah, you could. You could. I mean, that, that'd be um, handy little profit every year. You know, if you just had to pay for a Southwest flight down to Houston or something, and you know, yeah. you're at the Super Bowl, that's pretty. That's pretty worthwhile. And He's, since since you already have tickets every year, you can go ahead and get the hotel a year in advance. That's true. And you know, you're good to go. So. And this guy lives in the breadbasket of America, which that's means right. he's pretty much equidistant from everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, exactly. If you know Colorado. Yep. If Denver went, gets a gets a bid one of these years, which yep. they probably won't, I don't think. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh-huh. He's he's right there. He's yep. on the doorstep. Yep. So So anyway, yeah, lucky guy. He seemed really happy with it. His his team his team is the Chiefs, obviously. He's a Kansas guy. Chiefs obviously. Chief. Uh so I think he's probably anticipating maybe some sometime in the next few years. Maybe uh maybe the Chiefs will make it into the uh, old Super Bowl. Brian, it's been Hopefully in the next few years for a lot of years. A lot of time, yeah. (laughs) Well, as it is for a lot of teams. That's true. It's a hard thing to do. It is. Um, Okay. Well, that's, yeah. So, anyway. Great find, Tony. I I will say that, you know, finding a golden Bud Light can, it's lucky it wasn't me because I would have just, like, drank it and, like, thrown it in the recycling bin because I would have no idea what the hell that was. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look at this golden Bud Light fan. I'll drink this and throw it away. Uh, anyway, Glenn. All right. Uh, well, we uh, we just we were talking about do tattoo not too long ago, but we have a second uh, find that we're going to talk about here because, like we were saying, he's doing it and doing it and doing it well. That's right. And, and all the ladies love him. <laughs> all the ladies love him, and we do too. Um. Anyway, uh, this this is a post, and it's called um, "Weekend Camping Resets Body Clock." And what this is is a co- University of Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, professor uh, did a little study. He's interested in you know the effects of the outside, uh, daylight, our, our circadian rhythms, all this stuff. So he, uh, with some volunteers, he strapped some biometric sensors to some people and uh, took them out camping to see what would happen. Uh, and it turns out that uh, you know basically the, the gist of it is that today we're kind of inundated with these screens all day yeah. in the evening. All our lights are all on, super bright. And we we it messes up our natural body rhythms basically. It's just not natural, Brian. And uh, he's basically saying that you know if you're having problems sleeping and stuff like that, you need to. If you're having problems getting to sleep and waking up in the morning on time and stuff like that, your body's rhythm is off, mm-hmm. and that you need to go outside and go camping. That's right. And and that will uh, give your body a hard reset on timing. That's right. I mean, he, they're basically saying that it's just like a reset button. Like, even just a couple days out in the wild is enough to mm-hmm. kind of put your body clock back into, I guess, perspective uh, or in sync. There we go. Right. Um, but, Brian, anybody who's gone camping already knew this, right? 
When I go camping, I don't know about you. When I go camping, it's like nine thirty. I'm like, whoa, time to hit the hay, <laughs> man. Is it like two or something? And if it feels, I don't, know, I get so tired quickly. Yeah, because one of the things you said in these articles is that people, he found that people went to sleep earlier. Yep. Um, they were able to wake up earlier. Well, the sunlight doesn't. Yeah. Help. Uh, here's here's my <laughs> counterpoint to this article. When I go camping, I go to the Walnut Valley Festival every year. <laughs> So what ends up happening to me is like, yeah, I, I go, I go to sleep probably later actually. So my my research is counter to what this doctor mm. in uh, in Colorado says. Your circadian rhythms. My circadian rhythms. <laughs> they, I'm staying up later. I'm out and I'm walking around drinking. That's right. Okay. And uh, so I'm up for probably three to four mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, but I will say I do get up earlier because when you're sleeping in a tent. <laughs> and uh it's six in the morning and the sun is bearing down on the tent you're not sleeping past seven because it's gonna get damn hot in your damn tent yeah and uh so you gotta get up early you gotta get up earlier so uh, that that uh, my study uh has proved uh true in that respect brian's uh, individual sleep study it, it yeah it's it's very scientific uh-huh and, uh, you know, I, I can tell you from experience that, yes, I do wake up earlier. It's not by choice or anything like that. It's because I'm being forced to. In fact, it would be Quite the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> yeah, I would be sleeping much later if I, I could. I would love to sleep till dark. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the point is, Glenn, I, I, I'm making a mockery of this guy's science. He's saying that there's something really good about going out and camping to reset your clock, get out in nature, get some sunlight in you, and then get back to the grind. And it's good for your soul. And it's right? good for your soul. Absolutely. It's a good point. I feel. So it's, yeah, conclusively a good thing to get out and camp. And science says so. So there you go. And science knows. Uh, all right, Glenn, well, those are some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. Um, it is now time for the... Um, it's now time for the uh, toast this week, Glenn. Yes. And uh, this week, this is, a, this is a very personal toast for me. And I'm being 100% serious about this. Uh, this yeah. week... We would like to send a toast out to Coach Bill Snyder of the Kansas State Wildcat football team. Uh, Coach Snyder, uh, late last week, there are some rumors that were swirling around the program. Uh, coach Snyder is the oldest uh, active Division One football coach in the country. Might be the oldest, uh, you know, fo- college football coach, period. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, but he's 78 years old. And uh, I believe, I think he's, I believe he's 78 years old. I think so. I can't remember. Yeah. 77 or 78. Uh, anyway, uh, and so you, you're always kind of wondering about his health, and, and then there's a lot of rumors going around last week, and then it turns out that he, he came out and he said that he is suffering from throat cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, he's getting treatment, radiation treatment right now in Kansas City, and going through you know all the all the steps to take care of that, and he hopes to be back coaching this uh, this spring and fall. Um. But uh, but yeah, uh, Coach Snyder is somebody that's really important in my life. Um, very personal thing for me because I I actually grew up in Manhattan, Kansas, where K State is, and uh, you know I could go on and on about this guy. But he he, he turned around. We were a terrible football program, and he turned mm-hmm. it into something that was uh, really something to be proud of. And through his tireless work ethic and really caring about it. Uh, and staying there for 30 years, um, he got it done and did did a hell of a job. And uh, guy has been an inspiration to me since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he means the world to me. And uh, really hope that he uh, he 
gets better treatment works out for him and i hope he gets to you know take some time and enjoy everything that he's he's gotten you know like the uh, a lot of people are saying, well, I hope he's able to get back to coaching and everything yeah. like that. And I do. I hope he does if that's what he wants to do. But I also hope that if he wants to walk away, he has the ability yeah. to, you know, you, you never know about these health situations and, and mm-hmm. what kind of thoughts go through your mind when, when that happens. And uh, so I hope he hope he takes some time to think through things and does the right thing for himself and his family. But I, I have a different perspective of Coach Snyder in that <laughs> uh, his, his uh, wonderful coaching has destroyed my teams every year for the past i don't know 20 some odd years so it's been i think he's been doing it for three years pretty close yeah so yeah. there's only been a few times where we've actually beat k-state i don't even know if we've done it under him uh, probably a couple yeah. times or something but yeah <laughs> it seems like every year it's just marking on your calendar we're gonna lose to k-state um but yeah i mean you <clears throat> did you know that i've, I've met phil snyder Shook i didn't know hand. that yeah wow which is probably why you know i don't know there's like this kind of unspoken, like you know. That's right. There's something about me, Brian, that you yeah. just couldn't put your finger on. Right, like, exactly. Gah. Okay, now now I see why I like Glenn. Yeah, I was uh, I was at the tender age of ten. Wow, ten tender. Age. Was he uh, recruiting you for football? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like I think you could be a really good place kicker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, we were at a catbackers. My sister was a freshman or sophomore in college. We were at a catbacker. Uh, this is before I. You know, I w- before I would be caught dead there, Brian. Right. Um, but yeah, we were. We went to one of those, and my dad like talked his ear off for ten minutes, and he was very polite. It's good. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice guy. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, not th- throat cancer. I guess is you know very serious matter, and and but it's it's still a treatable situation. So hopefully he'll uh, hopefully he'll bounce back even stronger than before, and. Uh, Go on to coach another ten years at case personally, fifteen, personally, maybe twenty years left. I'm okay if he just wants to hang it up after this. <laughs> Nobody would blame him. Nobody would blame him. What? Yeah, he'll probably outlive me. I, there <laughs> some guy. somebody made uh, some post. Uh, somebody was commenting on it, and they're saying that if there's anybody that can out scheme Father Time, <laughs> it's Bill Snyder. Yep, uh, has been doing it for you know. 40 years or something like that and still keep he's still out there still doing it every day he has a ridiculous work schedule yeah he works 12 hours a day seven days a week yeah and he's 70 some years old uh so yeah still getting it done well i begrudgingly toast no i don't begrudgingly toast he just he's a good dude yeah he is he's done a lot for the state brian (sighs) absolutely all right Uh, well that means it's time for the um hot buddy Topic. Um, and this week, Glenn, uh, look, get your wallets out because uh, there's a little company going public this week. Oh yeah, and I don't mean uh, you know putting their name in the press. I mean they're <laughs> going to the New York Stock Exchange. That's right, ringing the bell. And uh, this is a little company called Snap, as yep. in Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, uh, oh Snap. Oh, snap. Snapchat is going uh, public. See the headlines now. And uh, so, anyway, Glenn, it's, this is interesting. Uh, do you think that Snapchat is a good uh, good investment opportunity for uh, for uh, everybody out there? I think that, um, personally, I'm bullish. You're bullish on it. I'm bullish on bullish? it. Bullish? Is it bullish or bullsh? I don't really know bullsh- the term. Bullish. <laughs> bullish? Or, or, did you get I'm to- Bolshevik on it. <laughs> um... 
<laughs> no, I, I don't. Uh, I have an axe to grind because I think... <clears throat> I, I'm torn. Because Snapchat for me is very frustrating. But my kids love the thing and my wife loves the thing. Right. And I kind of see the allure. It's 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 interesting. It's fun to, you know... Mm-hmm. They've done something really interesting. Right. But I just don't feel like it can really withstand... I, I think their CEO is a, a crackpot. Yeah. Um, which is ultimately going to be the the Achilles heel for them. Right. That's that's my take. Right. I don't... Okay. I don't I, what I, my, my investing strategy is basically I don't... I try not to give my money to crackpots. You you are, you're always in search of the next hot stock tip. That's right. <laughs> you're always. By the way, if you have any penny stocks <laughs> that you know of, I made a fortune. Howdy at gentleman.com. <laughs> <laughs> made a fortune. You can too. Um. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's an interesting Snapchat. Here's here's my take on Snapchat. Yeah. Hot take right here. Yeah. This is this is my take on Snapchat. I think that Snapchat came to prominence at a time. This is my theory. Okay, yep. this is my harebrained theory. Yep. All right, you got to ask yourself why did why did something become popular? Mm-hmm. So what they basically did was they took chat and they made it more fun, right? But also uh, they added a couple of their own wrinkles. I'll yep. give them that. Yeah. But then at the time that they made Snapchat, when was it? Like three years ago? Four years ago? Maybe? Yeah. People had to pay for texting mm. on their phones. That's true. They don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. Everybody basically has all-inclusive plans these days. Mm-hmm. So they, there was a two-pronged thing that happened here where it was a specific point in time where instead of having to pay for chat, you sign up for a service. You pick one of these providers, mm-hmm. and they do some fun stuff with chatting, and you don't have to pay for chat. Mm-hmm. Or you don't have to pay for texting, right. basically. Uh, and so you have that benefit, which is like, oh, this doesn't count against my my limit of text that I have, for my, right. which is weird mm-hmm. to begin with. But whatever. Yeah. And then you also have a, you know, it, it's it's based on like a adolescent culture or something like that. Yeah. You know, essentially, not adolescent, but like co- you know, college. Co- yeah. You know, younger demographic. Uh, yeah, younger demographic. And uh, there's some other weird stuff that was going on that I don't really want to get into. That you know about the genesis of this idea. Right, I mean, yeah. Um, there is a reason why... It, the, there, well, there was the whole, like, the stuff goes away after right, a certain amount of time. Right, it deletes. It still does that. Right. Sort of. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there was that, too. Yeah. Um, and so that... I think you put all those things together, and I feel like, you know, you get, you get one monster product there. That's true. I uh, I also think... I'm going to add to your crackpot theory. Mm. I didn't... No, you didn't say it's crackpot. Uh, I, I did. I'll, it is... It's off the wall. I'll bolt but. my own crackpot... On top of it. Okay. Um, wow, that's really weird phrasing. But um, uh, so in the age of Instagram, where everybody's trying to take like these amazing... Instagram exists to make your photos better, to make your to make you look like a better photographer okay. than you are. Okay, right. Gotcha. This is like the antithesis of that. Like basically it makes you ridiculous. It makes your photos ridiculous. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the... The yin to the yang of right. Instagram. Okay, gotcha. I, I wonder if that's maybe part of it too. Yeah. Is that there's I, other I people take themselves way too seriously? I think. I think that in it, when there's a big hit like any of these, like with apps and stuff like that, right. it's it's a intersection of technology, mm-hmm. a specific like constraint. You're, you yeah. brought up Instagram. The reason why Instagram was so successful is because the cameras on phones used to be terrible. Yep. And to make the photos look better, they distorted them. Put a filter on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And so that that's what made it grow wildly in popularity because people love, you know, dolled up photos and all that stuff. It's like, it's like marketing 101. When you can make somebody, you can improve how they look to other yep, people. Exactly. Right. And, and smartphone cameras, when I, when I originally started using Instagram, my phone camera sucked. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. But using the filters made it actually look passable as a decent picture. Yeah. Anyway, point is, so that so Instagram's a very legitimate service, all that stuff. But because cameras are so limited at that point, they really piggybacked off that to make it into a success. Yeah. And so I th- my point was with Snapchat that I feel like there's like an environmental kind of thing that happened around that whole idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's a few different factors that, you know, came together to make sure that that A happened. perfect storm. Yeah, of. exactly. And I think at any time there's a big hit like this, there's some, that, that has to happen. Yep. Another another trouble, if you're going to invest, this is your penny stock for the week. Uh, if you're going to invest in Snapchat, I'm uh, sorry, in Snap, one other thing to think about, and this isn't my original idea. This is, I read this on, uh, I think it was a Forbes article, but they were talking about how when Instagram came back, came out with basically the same functionality that Snapchat has, mm-hmm. the ability to upload quick videos yep. and put filters and things on them, yep. um, it, Sna- Snapchat usage went way down. Right. And I can't remember the exact number, but it's basically like a way to say, this is easily duplicated. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, yeah. they kind of have this nice culture thing, but mm-hmm. they're going to get eaten into, so... Okay, so here's let me, let me lay some facts out for you, Glenn. Oh, you have you have it up right there. I have I have uh, some. Look, I, I consulted the experts on this. Yes, and uh, there's some things you need to know about Snap's IPO. Okay, uh, income. Snap is losing a ton of money. <laughs> uh, they grew revenue substantially last year. Uh, they went from a net loss of. Uh, Let's see, net loss of five hundred fourteen million, but you know, uh, compare that with twenty fifteen uh, net loss of three hundred seventy two million. So wait, wait, so that you're saying they've lost almost a billion dollars in two years? Oh yeah, okay, so they, yeah, they, they're they're losing more money. Okay, so they're, they're losing way more money, but their revenue has grown. Okay, this is an example of how crazy picking different stats out will tell you. Okay. Listen to this. You can start with this headline, okay? <laughs> Snap's revenue has grown 30% in the last year. Schwing. Right. The only problem is that's not net revenue because they so they they brought in 404 million in 2016, compare that with 2015 when they only brought in 58 million. Okay, yeah. The bad news is that they had a net loss of 514 million this year. So they spent $950 million. In one year? In one year. Doing, doing what? Well, they have, <laughs> they have millions of dollars of server costs because of all their media that they uh, host. I can and all see that, that, that I guess. They're on the hook for... They're basically but, saying uh, they're on the hook for Amazon and Google for media hosting to the tune of like $50 million a year or something. But that's a small fraction of... Yeah, the overall ticket here. Uh, look, the numbers. I don't know the the net loss of 2016 is 500 million dollars. That's the net loss. I uh, devaluation isn't it? Didn't they say it's going to be like right around 2025 billion? Yeah, but 25 million. Yeah, 25 billion. Yeah. What was uh, Facebook's IPO at? Did they did they have that in there at all? Uh, like the valuation. 
I, they don't have Facebooks in here now. I don't think it was $25 billion. Yeah, probably not. I don't think so. I could look it up, but yeah. anyway. Uh, so there's that, Glenn. They're um, losing a ton of money. Um, also, uh, look, user-wise, look, Snap has 158 million daily active users uh, it, as of the fourth quarter of last year. Okay. Uh, sim- uh, bad news is similar to Twitter at its IPO, Snap's rate of growth is slowing. Uh-uh. So users grew a respective 60% and 66% in the first two quarters of the year, but only 55% and 46% in the last two quarters. So basically what that means is, like, it's probably losing popularity, like, quick. Yep. Well, um, I mean, you can only grow for so, you know, I mean, yeah. that crazy for so long. When it's a fad, right? it doesn't work forever. Um, yeah. Uh, I will say this about Snap. They're doing something different. In that they're actually going into physical products, which Facebook and Twitter have yet to do. Yep. Right? I don't think Facebook... Yeah. Facebook is doing Oculus, so yeah. That's true. That's true. They are now. Yeah. Uh, Snap's whole, like, glasses thing. Uh, this whole thing reeks of desperation. Look, there's a bunch of bullet points in here I can go through, but I'm not going to go through them. But the other thing is I think is funny in this whole deal, and then I'm going <laughs> to get to my, my hot take on this. All right. Which is... Um, so, uh, one of the bullet points that this is a fortune article I'm reading through, and one of the bullet points is one of the knocks on Snapchat is that it's hard to use. <laughs> um, it has a reputation for being confusing, and it causes a lot of people to abandon it because it's hard to use. And when you're when somebody uses something for the first time and it's hard to use, they're just gonna bolt, right? And so you know whatever. Um, and but Snap says, "Whoa! Like just because products are sometimes confusing when they're new doesn't mean we're going to stop building innovative products for our community. Part of the joy of using Snapchat is discovering new features and learning how to use the products we create." False. False, Brian. <laughs> I call Bolshevik on that. I <clears throat> quitting after. Using it for five minutes was basically the exact experience that I had. Like, I, I'm a user experience kind of guy. Yeah. And when I couldn't understand the interface, um, I, I was, I, it lost me. I was like, I'm not cool with this. I, I don't. I don't it's get not it. like we're somebody's grandmas, you know. Like mm-hmm. we're we, we we do this, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know maybe that's a, I don't know maybe it's like we're too old now, Brian. Maybe useful user interfaces is is the the way of the dodo and it could be. Crazy, uh, which you know, I'm, I'm I'm willing to accept, but I don't. I feel like I don't believe teaching somebody. He basically makes a point of saying that part of the fun is how f- convoluted we make our user interfaces, and I don't I don't believe in that principle. So no, I don't agree. I, I still don't know how to use a thing, and I've used it quite a bit. I've attempted to use because my my kids always want to use Snapchat because <sighs> they put out filters all the time. And yep. It's fun, like they they can see the reflection, then they see. Like yep. a dog's tongue come yeah. out and lick the screen. Like, exactly. that's funny for them. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I still don't know how to do it, so they just ask their mom. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> which is a, which is good for me. Yeah, So exactly. Um, so the final verdict is... Oh, yeah. So I, I was just going to say, so... My, okay, so the funny thing is, like, there's all these facts where they're not making any money, their user base is, is slowing, mm-hmm. their stuff is hard to use, um... They basically spell out that it was like Snapchat's kind of a fad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ownership is really complicated. 
Um, oh, that's right, because they just settled that weird lawsuit with the other co-founder. Yeah. So, one of the Winklevoss twins, I think? I don't even know who the... <laughs> you know, whatever. And at the very end of this Fortune article, they say, is it a buy? And he says, investors I spoke with said yes. <laughs> Not because they can tie the company's performance to any sensible financial model. <laughs> but because they have Facebook something. I'm willing to risk fit losing 50% if there's a chance this is like Facebook and I can gain 10 times. What kind of world do we live in, Brian? I don't think Facebook stock... I think Facebook stock is up three times, not 10 times. I think when it initially IPO'd, it did okay, but I don't think it 10 x anything. No, I don't, I don't think so either. I, don't I think they're saying like long term. Oh, okay. But here's the deal. It says they may have to stick around for the long haul at its current expense base... Investors estimate Snap would have to grow by around 12% to get to Facebook-style profit margins. And Facebook-style profit margins are, it's been coming out, their advertising thing is fraught with fraud, basically. Yes. Uh, so they're, they had to hire like an internal auditor or something recently to go through and because their metrics on the success of their ads are really shady, apparently. Mm. So there's... There's a lot around Facebook that is not right as far as that stuff goes. So anyway, my point is, Glenn, okay, but here, here's the thing. When Facebook IPO'd, I was like, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not buying Facebook. I don't believe in that company. I think it sucks, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Twitter IPO'd, I was like, well, I'll buy some shares of Twitter because mm-hmm. I'm more of a, you know, I think Twitter's probably more. Twitter is like, <laughs> I've lost, <laughs> I, I don't know how much money on this. Sure? Tw- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I think I'm the only investor left in Twitter or something. Mr. McKinney, you yeah. want to thank you for yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I could be totally wrong. You know, this, uh, my guess was Twitter over Facebook and Facebook has, oh yeah, uh, is way more yeah. valuable than, than profitable. Twitter. Yeah, exactly. For and, now. um, so, so I was completely wrong about that. So maybe I'm totally wrong about Snap and their products and that, you know, they're going, I think the, 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 the whole internet thing is so... I don't even know how these companies can have IPOs because they're so here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, it just, it's so... It's like dot-coms again. Yeah, I mean, how can you, how can you... I mean, most people really think about stock investment as like a long-term kind of investing thing. Unless you're like kind of a day trader kind of guy, you're going to want to invest in a solid, like Warren Buffett says. Right. Okay? Pick a great, you know, great company that you really believe in and then invest in it and invest in it for the long haul. That's Warren Buffett's advice, and he's you know one of the best. He's Probably, done okay. Yeah, he, he's he's you know one of the most recognized of us. This flies in the face of all that. <laughs> you know, Snap's a terrible company. It's not making any money. It's losing tons of money. They're on the hook for all these expenses. Leadership Their growth is, is slowing. Their leadership is getting sued, and they're weirdos. And you know, everything about this is like, no, do not invest in this company. But uh, you know, I don't know. I read a not to believe this, but I read a. A piece about the company, like they interviewed a bunch of people who worked there, and you never know; those are kind of, those can kind of often be like hack, <clears throat> those can often be hatchet jobs. Yeah, sure, because yeah. they have an extra grind, right. and they're they're pissed off because they got let go. But they let go a bunch of staff, and they interviewed a bunch of staff that was let go, and they're like, "Yeah, it was a really weird place to work. Like, you had no, it, it was just the, the culture just sounded bizarre. Like, not bad. It's it was beyond it was beyond bad. Like it was bizarre." Um, hmm. Just the management style was goofy, and just things changed on a... Anyway. Yeah. Nothing I have read or seen in my entire experience with the company 
would yeah. help me to lead me to believe this is a good idea. It just seems weird. <laughs> the whole company seems weird. The leadership of it, everything about it seems weird. <clears throat> I don't know. We make all our products intentionally hard to use. Right. We make no money. We're losing all this money. It's like it's a joke. Yeah. Like there's a like there's some so at some at one point they're just gonna be like ta da, gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. Punked us. It's weird. Um, Punked our society. So I would say do it. I would say Go do ahead. it. Invest in that. Yep. Um, just roll that four hundred one k over to <laughs> moving to everything snap. to snap. <laughs> all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> I'm putting all my money in social media stocks. <laughs> oh, we're getting sued, Brian. We're going to get sued. <laughs> now, this is not financial advice. Yeah. Uh, our lawyers advised us that we cannot give uh, financial advice ever again. No. No, not after um, the... After the whole Twitter thing yeah. that I was really <laughs> high on. <laughs> I was uh, briefly a financial advisor for about three months. and uh, Social media is the way. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Okay, Glenn. Well, that le- that means uh, time for the last uh, part of the Gentleman podcast, and that is the uh, questions from the Gentleman mailbag. Okay. Glenn. And uh, look, about two weeks ago, a event happened that I think everybody knows they're aware of every year. Mm-hmm. It has a tremendous impact on their life. Yep. Uh, happened. And this is the... Uh, down Super... Go- oh. No, down oh. at Gobbler's Knob <laughs> in uh, Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Uh, Punxsutawney Phil stepped out of his hole, and he said, uh, look, six more weeks of winter. Sorry, guys. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Glenn? What are, what are your thoughts on six more weeks of winter from Punxsutawney Phil? Well, I, I, initially I was dismayed. Yeah. Because I take what Punxsutawney Phil says... You almost take it as gospel. Exactly. That was that was all I needed. Right. Okay. Um, but but I decided. You know what? I'm going to take this and find the silver lining here. And mm-hmm. what is that silver lining? If we have six more weeks of winter, like hard winter. Yes. That means there's six less weeks that I have to worry about mosquitoes and oak mites. That's true. So there you go. That's a there is a silver line. Silver so line. Yeah. and then of course right after he does that we have a week of 70 degree weather. Right. So. I don't know. Uh, to to counterpoint Punxsutawney Phil, uh, Staten Island Chuck actually went against the grain here, and he says, "No, we're going to see uh, early spring." And Staten Island Chuck is way more accurate than Punxsutawney Phil. So this Phil. is like Papa John's to Pizza Hut. It's a very it's a very tense rivalry between Staten mm. Island Chuck and Punxsutawney Phil. Uh, according to Staten Island Sh- Chuck's handlers, he's way more accurate. Than uh, Punk's Tiny Phil. Wow, so, two groundhogs going at it in an epic duel. Um, same I, day? Do they do it on the same day? Same day. I, I I'm with Staten Island Chuck on this though. I think that we're going to see an inter- early spring. I think maybe Punk's Tiny sure Phil like is losing his mojo a little bit. It's a little Snapchat, something like <laughs> that. You know, he's, he's been around. He's back in the wrong horse. He's getting around. The, yeah. Long the tooth. He's there. been talking to some investors. Yeah, some bad people around. Him. Exactly right. Pakistani <laughs> Phil is. After Ground Day came out, you know, his head went in the clouds, and he's just been cashing on the royalties. Exactly, became an international personality, and then all of a sudden, right. you know, the things that he's known for, predicting the the spring, this doesn't is care about classic. Ca- this is this is this is great, Brian. That yeah. is great. Uh, 
just a an overlay of of, yeah. of of what tends to happen in these scenarios. Yeah. So I don't know, Glenn. I, we'll, we'll see what happens. We already know so far that here in Kansas, anyway, it's been an early spring. It's been spring, and uh, Punxsutawney Phil kind of looks like a punk. Put in the punk in Punxsutawney. Yeah, exactly. Punks. So. Uh, anyway, I, I wish Punk's Tony Phil all the best. I mean, he's been around since like 1800s, so right, you know, 140 years old. That's that's a, quite a record he's got going on there. Yeah, we should look at his track record. Yeah, it's not great. Mm. Uh, suffering, I think, a lot more recently because of the uh, El Nino. Yes, El Nino. <laughs> really, <laughs> I say. Uh, but Staten Island Chuck, I would look. I would back that horse. Yeah. Um, you know. He's got science on his side. Well, more accurate. Uh, maybe he doesn't have the prestige. There's right. no movie about, but, you know, Staten Island and, you know, Bill Murray doesn't go to Staten Island or anything in any of his movies. He's more down to maybe earth. Maybe Ghostbusters, but I don't know. You know? More down to earth. Right, yeah. You could get more approachable. I mean, this isn't like, you know, yeah. New York City Chuck. Right. This is Staten, Staten Island, Island Chuck. Yeah. Right? He's, he's, yeah. Not, he's on, he's the, on outside the fringes. Look, he's yeah. on the outside looking in. Right. So That's a good point. Yeah. He's got a lot less to lose. That's true true i feel like yeah uh well anyway uh i say i say uh yeah i say uh i, I back the the the, it's the winning horse yeah the most recent winning horse what have you done for me lately exactly yeah that's what kind of podcast this is yep exactly okay glenn well we got that figured out all right well that uh that that turns out to be a fitting in to episode 107 oh 107. 107. And uh, much like Punk's Tony Phil, I've seen my shadow. And it is time to end the uh, Gentleman Podcast. Time to retire. I'm going back into my hole. Okay. For six more weeks of winter. Six more weeks of podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well. It was a good run. It was a good run. And uh, for six more weeks, <laughs> we will continue this. And then I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, the spring will come. We will be doing uh, more uh, my box. Yes, my box are lovely, and uh, we'll we'll move on. Some Irish ales. Some Irish ales. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day is right around the corner. Oh man, it's always something to look forward to. That's right. Uh, and speaking of that, hmm. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Uh, we will look forward to seeing you in two weeks for the next show podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Adios, we'll see you two, weeks. two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks.